Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. How we may each develop a conscious connection with the individual vertebrae of the spine is the topic of this edition of Radio Curious. Our guest is Connolly Weinberg, author of Mindful Spine, Movement from the Inside Out, Connecting the Brain and the Spinal Vertebrae. Weinberg has over 30 years of experience as a psychophysical educator for Olympic and other high-performance athletes. Weinberg asserts that the spine overtly regulates our movement from birth until we begin to crawl and walk. She believes that beginning when we crawl, the spine becomes subordinate to our muscles in controlling our movement. This may result in sciatica, scoliosis, and other painful and sometimes debilitating conditions. Weinberg believes that by learning to consciously direct or move the individual spinal vertebrae with an intention similar to learning to ride a bicycle or moving a cup to our lips, we would be able to avoid, among other issues, the back pain too many of us suffer. You may find further information at her website, mindfulspine.com. When Connolly Weinberg visited the studios of Radio Curious on June 11, 2017, she demonstrated her personal ability to separately move the individual vertebrae of her spine. In addition, she moved several vertebrae at the same time to imitate scoliosis. She and I began our visit with her description of the Eureka moment when she first learned that she could intentionally move her own spinal vertebrae. Yes, it is about that moment. Um, The book was written primarily because of that aha moment that I did have when I was feeling a vertebrae moving in my cervical spine. And I have a, a large background in movement in a professional career and realized that some, I was doing something I'd never, ever done before in my body. And I never felt a single vertebrae move like that. The circumstances that I had during that time with the client that I was working with uh, allowed me to pay attention to it. And I spent the next year trying to feel it again. It was such an aha moment for me. I wanted, I wanted to know what was going on in my neck. Uh, why was that vertebrae moving? How was it moving? What did that mean that I could move an individual vertebrae? At first, it was actually uh, a little scary for me as I realized I was actually moving an individual vertebrae. One of my thoughts was, can I break my neck? How far can I move that vertebrae? What will happen? And uh, after hours and hours, and I probably have about 14,000 hours in practice now, I realized, of course, I wasn't ever going to hurt myself. It was a part of my body that was seeking consciousness, that uh, is important to have consciousness of. So how did you determine that you could control the movement of that particular vertebrae in your back? in your spine? 
Well, at first, I, I would practice. I was uh, coaching an Olympic synchronized swimming team and driving a lot and standing around a lot. And I would practice trying to move the vertebrae, each vertebrae, all the way down my spine. I'd move it right, left, up, down, left, right, up, down, then move to the next vertebrae. And at first, I wasn't sure I was actually just finding it and thinking I was doing it or if it actually was happening. That's the point in time where I decided that I needed everyone to touch me. I needed confirmation. So I would have someone put their finger on my vertebrae and ask them if they felt it move. Uh, Once my clients and friends and family said, yes, wow, I feel that vertebrae moving, you moved it to the right or you moved it to the left or in a circle or up and down, then my brain, this is how our brains work, I believed it, I believed what I was doing, and I started to know how I was doing it. So tell us how you do it, how you move a particular vertebrae. So first you have to learn how to consciously connect. So I would simply find my vertebrae and say, ask it to go to the right and it'll turn to the right or any part of my spine. I can line up my cervical spine and my sacrum somewhere else, different sections of it. I can decide where they live inside me. Will you explain in your book that this kind of movement where the spine leads the movement of the body is natural in infants up until about the time that they begin to crawl and then walk, and then the muscles lead. So let's go back to that movement in infancy, in rolling over, for example, and how do we recapture control of that movement as adults? What happens is, as an infant in the crib, you're moving, your spine moves you. Even in the beginning of trying to crawl, your spine moves you along the floor, until your hands start to move and your knees start to move and your feet push the floor away to crawl. What happens is as soon, I think, as we realize as infants we have appendages, our spine begins to lend instead of have its own consciousness. It begins to be secondary and our arms and legs start to take over. Anytime that we are relying on our appendages for anything, Our spine is simply inside us being torqued or moved by the movement of the appendages. The spine is not the forefront staying in its own integrity and deciding the placement of the appendages. So when the spine falls into the background of a person from toddlerhood until death, what is the result in how we hold our spine. So without spinal consciousness over a period of our lives, what happens is there's eight muscles on each vertebrae. And because we're not moving our vertebrae, the rest of our body is taking our vertebrae in all of our movement, mainly the superficial muscles outside. The eight muscles of the vertebrae do not strengthen and develop correctly. So the spine is never really in its own support or strength. Uh, Just like the muscles of your hands cannot move your toes, 
The only thing that can support and move your spine is the muscles of your vertebrae. And if you're using your abdominals or any other superficial muscles to hold your spine instead of these muscles, which is what we all do, then the spine is never strong. The, it has not remained strong your whole life. And therefore, arthritis, degenerative stuff, vertebrae hitting each other, it doesn't have the strength to keep the space from the eight muscles of each vertebrae. And you're saying that that begins uh, shortly after toddlerhood. I believe it does, yes. So the consequences are the physical discomforts that increase with age. That's right. Well then, um, Connolly Weinberg, what are some of those examples that uh, people normally encounter as we age? Well, when the spine is... Um, unconscious and none of the muscles of the individual vertebrae have actually been working to keep the spine in a healthy alignment, the spine deviates and finds what I call creative nonsense and curves. And then what happens is we get kyphosis. We get all kinds of um, problems internally. With well, what, what is kyphosis? Kyphosis is a curve in the thoracic spine, the upper back. What happens with this is there's a shift in the axial skeletal's weight, which sits on the lumbar spine. And usually when there's a shift of uh, any change in the spine in one area, there's a change in the spine in another area. And then it's a chain reaction which can cause sciatica, uh, herniated disc issues, knee issues from having weight, being weight-bearing on one leg more than another, hip issues from the pelvis being out of a line because the sacrum and the rest of the spine is out of a line. So the alignment of the spine inside us and the strength of the spine inside us is crucial for many, many health reasons. So what you're saying in uh, semi-technical terms is lower backache, upper backache, middle backache. Yes. So then how do we deal with that in terms of what you describe in mindful spine? So once you learn mindful spine, uh, you learn how to move your vertebrae and you learn how to find and align your spine. When the vertebrae are moved from the inside out as opposed to the outside in. Well, what's really happening is the vertebrae are moving on their own. They can only move from the inside because they're in the inside. So they're moving on their own. Once you start to actually connect to your actual vertebrae and move them, you're no longer relying on your stomach muscles example to pull in to support your lower spine your actual lower spine can support itself by the eight muscles on each vertebrae that are, is their job to support and move the lumbar spine. So from the point of view um, or the positioning of the lower spine, how far up from the tailbone does the lower spine end? Well, there's five lumbar vertebrae and then your sacrum. So it's cervical spine, thoracic spine, lumbar spine, sacrum, and coccyx. And the cervical spine is just at the base of the head. Yes, it's the top seven vertebrae. 
continuing with your description of moving the vertebrae from the inside out, how do we learn this? It's a process, not something you learn immediately. Similar to as when you were an infant, you learned how to feed yourself. It took quite a while for you to even get in touch with your hand and consciously connect with your hand to find your mouth. And in the same way, it took you several, several months to crawl and several, several months after that to learn how to walk. So it's a connection of movement, just like all the movement you learn in your life, tennis, hockey, dance. Bicycle riding. Bicycle riding. So, of course, it takes practice, uh, but the very first thing it takes is a connection. You have to find the connection between your brain and your skeletal system and your actual vertebrae, which anyone can do. And then you know that you found it and you actually practice moving. So in every movement you would do in your yoga class or anything, you would first be thinking of the alignment of your spine before you continued. I'd like you to describe how we think and identify the movement of our spine. But before you do that, in this edition of Radio Curious, we're visiting with Connelie Weinberg. She's the author of Mindful Spine, Moving from the Inside Out, Connecting the Brain and the Spinal Vertebrae. This is Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Connolly, how do we consciously learn to move the spine? The teaching of mindful spine usually begins with a client feeling someone else who's already learned how to move their vertebrae. And once the learner feels someone who knows how to move their vertebrae move a vertebrae, they realize and believe it is a possibility. And they all of a sudden very quickly start to learn of that possibility. And then it's very mindful. So that's why it's called Mindful Spine. It has a, a, a kind of a form of meditation to it where you have to slow yourself down. You have to look inside yourself. And you have to pay attention minusculely to one bone and actually try and find a bone inside your body. So can you help us uh, understand how we begin to pay attention to that one bone? Well, your mind actually knows where that bone is. So once you've seen a picture of it, the visual helps, and you kind of know what you're looking for inside, and you try and practice finding it, there's a sensation that happens. And you actually can feel a connection in your brain to that bone and a sensation. And so you start to realize that you're connected. Kind of like falling in love. Yeah. So Connolly Weinberg, what is the dynamic that is keeping the concept that you just described at a distance? Well, there's a few, but one of them is the century-old belief that muscles move the bones, which is actually what physical therapy is completely based on. Gallon's discoveries with gladiators. 
yes, muscles do know how to move the bones, but there's no scientific studies done on that the muscles know where the bones should be inside us. So muscles know how to move the bones, but not where to move them to. And I believe that the study of mindful spine is teaching the skeletal brain connection for this. Because we also cannot study muscles except on a superficial level, because there's no way of monitoring muscles closest to our bones on a living human in science, we also only think of superficial muscles as controlling or moving our skeletal system. But by superficial muscles, what do you mean? So the superficial muscles of the body are the layers out that don't attach most proximal to the bones. So when I'm talking about the spine, and I've mentioned before the eight muscles that connect to each vertebrae, so those are called the rotators, and there's three others. And the next layer out is the multifidus, spina recti. Then you get into abdominal Be- muscles. Before and- you get beyond that, the multifidus and spinal recti, where are they in the human body? They're on the spine. They're on the spine. But they're layers out from the muscles that I'm talking about that would move an individual vertebrae. They actually, just like I mentioned before, where your hands cannot move your feet... They actually cannot really move in integrity, the spine. So once we accept the concept of being able to consciously move the vertebrae, what are some of the physical problems that can be addressed? I believe scoliosis is one of them. So there, there are so many wonderful modalities and therapists working towards helping scoliosis, but somehow the spine is is still not in the forefront of thought around changing the spine's own alignment. Any teenager who has a scoliosis and is doing Pilates or a sit-up or working out in the gym, if they first could put consciously their spine in a more natural alignment before they do their actual exercise... I know that it would help 90% their ability to try and train the muscles of the spine to stay. And this is instead of wearing um, something around the body that holds the body in a specific posture. Yes. Um, Well, my belief, of course, since I can move my spine, is that I could be in a spinal scoliosis brace and I could twist my spine up anyway the brace would not stop me from moving my spine now because my spine is on the inside of me and so something from the outside of me cannot stop the inside of me from moving so Connolly, are there other um, typical human postures that can be addressed by what you've described as mindful spine? Um, Yes, there's quite a few. The kind of common one right now is texting neck with everyone looking down at the cell phone. And the interesting thing is the looking down and at the cell phone is what is being blamed 
for the spine becoming in pain and the muscles around it tensing up and causing issues where I feel that the actual problem really is the lack of consciousness in the spine. So if you're conscious in your spine, you're moving from the inside out and you can actually hold your cervical spine in many of the variable positions that it's designed to be held in without any pain. But because what we do is when we particularly go to move our skulls, to look down at the phone, to look down as a cook, uh, slouching for driving, we tend to move our skull instead of our cervical spine. So we move our head to move our spine instead of our cervical spine, which is right below, which is called our neck, instead of our neck to move our skull. So therefore it is becoming weaker and weaker and weaker from not being used. So when you say looking uh, uh, at a cell phone to text, would that also be similar if we're looking at a book to read? Yes, anytime the, we're taking our skull and putting it in a certain placement without having any consciousness of what our, where our cervical spine is. And the other common position is driving. Yes. There's something called tucking, where the sacrum pulls down and the lumbar spine flattens. And without spinal consciousness, we tend to tuck our spine in driving and standing even and a lot it's actually promoted in a lot of yoga and a lot of modalities to tuck the pelvis which is not really our natural alignment what do you mean by tucking the pelvis or tucking the spine well tucking is where the sacrum pulls under and then it pulls on the lumbar spine and flattens the lumbar spine when what tucking is is it's placing the lumbar spine in more of a flex position. It's not in its natural alignment. So anything that takes our spine out of its natural alignment causes us pain. Connolly, staying with the concept of tucking that portion of the body, can you tell us more? So tucking uh, is when the sacrum loses its natural alignment and is pulled under and tucked under. And the sacrum, otherwise known as the tailbone, is pulled under. And this is done a lot in yoga and a lot of movement modalities. It's been taught in dance. And it's always taught to protect the back. Because once you tuck or tuck your tailbone under, your lower spine lengthens, comes out of its natural curve. And a lot of time when people actually have what's what they call their lower back pain, they go into this tucking position with their tail tucked under because it feels like they're releasing their pain. But in fact, it's pulling their spine out of its natural alignment where it works best, and it actually doesn't help correct the problem of pain. They'd be much better off if they weren't tucking and found their consciousness and their lumbar and sacrum positioning through the spine. Generally, the concept of what we're talking about is relief of back pain. 
Are there some situations that you would recommend to our listeners uh, in which they should be careful about not continuing a certain posture if it doesn't relieve the back pain or it might exacerbate the back pain? The general public has not found spinal consciousness yet. And until you actually find spinal consciousness, you are not moving from your spine. An old correction that I would have given someone to move their pelvis maybe, or to pull their shoulders back, or to do something different will not be helpful at all. And the only information or sharing I can do is to have people learn to move from their spines. And that's the course of study that you uh, have followed and you describe in Mindful Spine. Yes, because it is actually the true and only way to support and change your spine's alignment. Well, Connolly Weinberg, I want to thank you for being with us on Radio Curious. And before we close, I want to go back to our very first question, which was about a eureka moment and ask you if there is another eureka moment that you could share with us, a eureka moment that changed your life, perhaps in a different direction than we've discussed in in this visit. Well, actually, um, a eureka moment for me was when my son started to understand my work and have consciousness of it and acceptance of my idea and draw me the most beautiful photo of a skeleton for my book, showing me his understanding and his belief in what I'm doing. Other than being with you and being your son, can you share with us what it is that you think congealed his understanding? Well, um... He accepted me spending time with him, explaining what I'm doing and working with him. And then he actually voiced that he felt a difference in his body. He told me what he felt was different. And he explained it skeletally. And his posture changed and his pain went away. How old was he when that occurred? Probably 20. And to change the topic to our next question, what would you like to do with the remainder of your One Precious Life? I would like to share this work with a billion people. And finally, Connolly Weinberg, is there a book that you would recommend to our listeners? The Brain That Changes Itself by Deutsch, Dr. Deutsch. Connelline Weinberg, thank you very much for being with us on Radio Curious. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Connelly Weinberg is the author of Mindful Spine, Movement from the Inside Out, Connecting the Brain and the Spinal Vertebrae, 
Weinberg has over 30 years of experience as a psychophysical educator for Olympic and other high-performance athletes. You may find further information at her website, mindfulspine.com. The book Connolly Weinberg recommends is The Brain That Changes Itself, Stories of Personal Triumph from the Frontiers of Brain Science by Norman Deutsch. This program was recorded on June 11, 2017. There are over 630 archive editions of Radio Curious on our website, radiocurious.org. They're free to listen, download, and share anytime, anywhere as my gift to you. We appreciate your comments, ideas, and suggestions and like to hear from you. Email is curious at radiocurious.org. Snail mail is 280 North Oak Street, Ukiah, California, 95482. And the phone is 707-462-6541. Thomas Schoolcraft is our intern. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.